Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become like Jesus and impact and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. I'm super excited to have with us today, Hannah Brencher. She is a woman of God that writes uh, from the heart of her experiences, battling depression and finding joy and hope. She also happens to be a writer, a TED speaker, an online educator with a heart for building leaders. Uh, We'll be looking and talking about her new book, Fighting Forward, your nitty gritty guide to beating the lies that hold you back, which is definitely something that we talk about at More To Be. You can also find her second book, Come Matter Here, which arrived in bookstores in May in 2018. And her first book, If You Find This Letter, tells the story behind the social movement, More Love Letters. Uh, So since 2011, this is really neat, More Love Letters has spread over to over 70 countries, all 50 states and over 100 college campuses. Named as one of the White House's Women Working to Do Good, Hannah and her work have been featured on publications such as CNN, World News, The Wall Street Journal, Oprah.com, and Glamour, among dozens of others. Hannah lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband and her brand new little baby, right? So we're just so glad to have you here, Hannah. Thank you. you. I'm so excited to be here today. Yeah, yeah. So... I would love for you to first, like, that's the formal bio, right? Which I know mm-hmm. a lot of us feel like when there's a formal bio, we're like, that's, that's yeah. not really me, right? So, so who, is, who is the you that you would like our audience to meet today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I find myself like always like clenching up, you know, when you read the formal bio, um, just because you're like, oh, I don't know. I think it's like, you know, you don't want to like toot your own horn or any of that. And to everything that's like happened in my life, I just give all the credit to God because I don't, I think my plans, like they were pretty laid out well. Um, but what he's chosen to do has like far exceeded any of my expectations. And I think I could have never planned for this, but I also would have never even like put myself in this direction left to my own devices. And so for me, I mean, to know me at my core, like I, I love writing and I love words more than anything in this world. Um, Obviously I love being a wife. I love being a mom and all those things. But like, if I think of like the thing that has always been with me since I was little, 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 it was the love for words, the love of just like holding up in a room and just being able to write is my favorite thing in the world. It's where I feel the most alive. It's where I feel like I meet God. And so Mm -hmm. I try to put myself in that space as much as possible because why wouldn't I want to be in that communion with God? Um, And I think on top of that, you know, when I started writing my blog 10 years ago, 
the the blogging industry was like blowing up yes. at that time. That was like yep. the Julie and Julia time where it was like people had cooking blogs and people had fashion blogs. And I remember just thinking, I don't want to blog. I don't want to have a niche. I don't need to be a blogger at the end of the day, but I want to show up and I want to encourage people. I want to remind people to keep going. I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And when I started that, I wasn't even a believer myself. Um, And so that was something that I just have always had that encouragement in my bones. And I think when it comes to faith, like I became a believer about 10 years ago, around the same time while I was living in New York City, um, because I knew that there was something to faith. I knew that probably eventually I would come back around to it. I watched my mom be a woman of faith. But if you ask me what sticks out in my life and from when I was little, it wasn't it wasn't my mom telling me about the love of Jesus. It wasn't anything that she talked to me about. It was particularly, I have this vision of her every single morning, taking her Bible, taking her journal, sitting at the kitchen table with her coffee and writing down the word of God. And I don't think there was ever a morning where she missed that. And that image is what has stuck out in my mind more than anything else. I think that's the reason why I am a Christian today is because I've seen her walk out that faith, not just talk about that faith. And I've seen her walk out her love for people. And so that was always in me. It just was when I finally said yes to God and was like, okay, I'm going to say yes to this. It just opened up to a whole new level. It's amazing to hear your story of coming to faith. And I was sort of surprised that you said you came to faith about 10 years ago, but you witnessed your mom with the word. So kind of give us an understanding of even like your upbringing and your childhood. What was that like? Yeah. So my mom was the only believer in the house. Um, my dad, he dealt with alcoholism until I was eight. And, um, it's actually like this really amazing story where my mom, you know, she always held down the floor, went to church by herself, brought us with her, And um, my dad, he is such an amazing man. And and even in that struggle, he has always given me, I think, the best picture of Jesus and a loving father. My father has always worked so hard his whole life. He has probably, you know, every reason to like not believe in God because of how tough his upbringing was. But um, when I was eight years old, my mom said to my dad, you know, we're either going to leave or you're going to you're going to get sober. And, uh, he never had a drop of alcohol again after that day. Um, and even in that, you know, it wasn't, uh, this miraculous come to Jesus moment. It actually took another 20 years for my dad to actually even say yes to Jesus and start going to church with my mom. Now he goes to church with my mom. He does Bible study. He's a man of few words, but, um, I like, I think it's remarkable that where the narrative might be that like my mom should have, you know, like that my mom was all alone in her faith. She knew that faith was a solitary journey and that she was called to be with her husband. And even if he didn't like quote unquote bear fruit, she was going to be with him. And that was the person God called her to be with. And um, I always just look at that of like such a strong example from my mother. Um, And yeah, I mean, I had a pretty typical 
upbringing. I grew up in New England and in New England, it's not a big Christian population. It's more Roman Catholic. And that's more like you go to church on Easter and Christmas. Um, and uh, what a lot of people don't know about like my upbringing as, as great as it was, I grew up in a town that really struggles with an opioid crisis. I know opioid crisis is like the leading cause of death for young people, but we still don't talk about it a lot. Like we don't, for some reason, don't shine a light on it. And so that is very much a part of my story. A lot of my friends fell into addiction. My Mm. brother has been an addict for the last 17 years. It's very much like a part of like who I am. And for me, it was more so like, I saw this narrative happening all around me. And I just always remember thinking, okay, God, if you're real, like if you're there, then like, please, like, tell me my life is not an accident because I'm, I'm here and I'm at these parties and I'm, you know, doing these things I don't necessarily want to do, but I don't know what the other option is. And I always felt inside of me that like, I was made for something bigger, but I didn't know what that thing was. And, um, yeah, I made that decision at age 22 of like, I'm tired of living this life. I, I think this is emptiness in all these other things that I've tried. And so I'm going to try something new. And it, it has been, um, God just kind of scooped me up and it's been full steam ahead ever since then. <laughs> it's like that he was is, waiting for it, but. It's a power, I mean, it's a powerful story when God does that. I mean, he scooped me up when I was 20 and, and, yeah. you know, Likewise, came from the Northeast, grew up on Long Island, and very okay, much then that, you know, Long I Island. know that Roman Catholic is my is my background, and and yeah. just that whole journey of like, you know, I come out of emotional and physical abuse, and 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 the how it shapes you to fight forward really is where yeah. you know the con- your context, your story is like life isn't just handed. It's something that you Mm -hmm. had to choose to engage in. I love how you described, you looked around at what you had and what you were trying and you said, well, let me just try God. And it stuck. (laughs) Yeah. And it, yeah, totally. And it's, it's really cool now because when I, when I said yes to God, um, I just remember like everything in my life just started like moving forward at that point. Like I kind of felt stuck in a job in New York city and I had applied for a job in Connecticut where I was from at a, a pretty big nonprofit. And I got that job. I chose to move home. I really wrestled with that because it's like, okay, I'm going from New York back to like my hometown. Like what God, what, what is this? You know, like this isn't where I think like success is. Um, And at that time, I just remember thinking the churches that I've gone to in New York City, they're so, they're cool, they're young, they're, you know, faith is like an awesome thing here. And I didn't think I had a representation of that in Connecticut. But when I moved home, there was a church being planted and it was a bunch of young people and I kind of just dove right in to help. And um, now there's campuses all over Connecticut and spreading into Massachusetts. And I think about it and I'm like, wow, like New England is really experiencing a kind of revival, which is cool because that's where it all started to begin with. But yet our history is that somehow it kind of like slipped out 
the back door, you know, like living in the South now, it's like, okay, like there's like Jesus everywhere here in the South. So it's right, like right. really, I have a lot of New England pride and I, I'm very proud of where I come from because I think like, I don't know, you'll probably like, you'll probably agree with this. It's like in the South here, everybody is like, very nice and very welcoming. Um, but they always say that there's like this like Southern nice where it's like, if they don't like you, they'll just say it behind your back type thing. Right. I'm kind of proud that like in New England, we're just like, what you see is what you get. Like, exactly. We, we just wear it. We put it all out there. But if you want to get to know us, we're kind of like onions, you know, there's yeah. layers to it. I'm not just going to tell you to come on into my house. Like we got to you know, yeah. and I, I, I'm very proud of my upbringing. And then I think about like my hometown and people that, you know, read my blog and read my book, books from my hometown. And I just want to make, you know, where I come from proud and yeah. that like something good and great has come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how regions can be so different because we're now in Pennsylvania. And so Okay. Yeah. Pennsylvania is like, in my opinion, a little bit of a hybrid of the South and the North all in one place. I love Pennsylvania. I love Philly. I, uh so when we first moved here, people were so nice to us that we're thought they were, had like an angle and they were going to like, they were (laughs) taking advantage. I was like really uncomfortable with the graciousness of it all. And then I realized, okay, there's my New Yorker versus this is different and learning how to slow down. And it's been fun Mm -hmm. how many times I've been asked to go back to New York for speaking events and I'll take my Pennsylvania friends with me. And they're, they just like, they're like, Oh, this is so different. We understand you better now. (laughs) Apparently. Right. There's like context of, I don't know. This just different. It's different ways of communicating and it's different ways of feeling. And maybe that's why, as I was reading your book, I really felt like a connection with you and mm-hmm. I had picked it up and then I put it down. And then when we, you know, we're prepping for this and I spent time this morning uh, reading chapter two, like thoroughly. And I was like, what in the world, this book fighting forward chapter two is my life to an absolute T right now to the detail of you said, Jeremiah chapter 13. And I have been during this friendship challenge that I've been through, as you describe in this chapter, I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah and I am on literally chapter 30. And I was like, what in the world? (laughs) I know. And I'm like reading what you're writing. And I have been asking the question of God, like, why, why, why has this happened? Mm. And, and your principle of that he will rebuild on the runes just like confirms so many things that he's been speaking to me about. Wow. So, That's insane. So, it's insane. Hannah, like, and then of course, you know this because you've been having patience with me, the delivery of the siding for the house that we've been waiting, waiting 12 weeks on threatening uh-huh. to make this uh, time together not happen. And I was like, get behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus, I'm talking mm, to Hannah about this yeah, today. Totally. Because there, there are, um, so when this episode comes out, it will be following the kickoff of our new year of yeah. content mm-hmm. with more to be. And the, the vision for more to be in 2021 is, uh, around a theme of let go and live. And, mm. um, the first episode that hopefully everybody has listened to already uh, is, is on 
a passage from Isaiah, not the Isaiah passage Mm -hmm. 43, but another passage, Isaiah 60. And this idea of what is God doing in our lives? How is he Mm. healing us from our broken places and setting us free? How is he intending to transform the way we think and the way we feel and how we process the hardships? So in your, in your book, I want to dig into this chapter two. Yeah, the yeah. Rebuild on the runes, but kind of set us up as to why you wrote Fighting Forward in particular and the purpose of this message. So, I, if you hear anybody babbling in the background, it is my seven month old. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's okay. But. I wanted to, I was in a place where I wanted to write another book, obviously, but I didn't want it to be a book where I claimed to have all the answers to everything. I was a little bit tired of that, right? Like I, Mm -hmm. I was tired of like, um, that message of like, this book is going to change your life and make it all better. And this will be the solution. I believe the Bible is the solution to that. But I that what I have inside of me, what God has gifted with to me uniquely is that I am an encourager. I am a cheerleader. I, I can yell on the sidelines for you. And I believe that like my vessel to do that is words. And so I wanted to write a book specifically to the reader. All of this content was scripted and made for them. It's not about telling my story. It is not about being seen. It is literally wherever you are, wherever you are stuck, because a lot of us get stuck. And a lot of the reasons we get stuck is because of fear and lies that are holding Mm -hmm. us back. Here are the things that I have learned. And here are the ways that I found to move forward. And to say fight forward was intentional because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we are not moving forward. A lot of times we are not walking forward or running forward. We have to fight forward. It is a daily Mm -hmm. fight. And so I wanted to load people up with the best encouragement that I could to move them forward, um, but not claim to be the expert. I don't have Mm -hmm. all the answers. Your roadmap looks different than my roadmap, Mm -hmm. but I definitely feel like I have lived this out over the last few years and I have found God in those spaces of fighting. And so Mm -hmm. that's really where the premise of that book came from. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I know um, you you talk about the transformation work, especially you say this at the end of this chapter. I just want to read this part. The new year, new you never happens overnight at the stroke of 12, but it can happen brick by brick as we trust God to rebuild our runes. And I I read that and I was like, yes, because I mean, I have a book called Meet the New You. And the, the mm-hmm. premise of the publishers who picked the title was New Year, New You. And the whole time as that book was coming out, you know, you only have so many choices when you're working with a publisher. And I, yep, I yep. Like, you know, they wanted a 21 day plan. And from the beginning, I'm like, it took me 21 years to write this book of life experiences. Like, mm, you're not going to learn yeah. this in in 21 days. And there's a concept. We want 21 days though. Ooh. We want that. Right. Yeah. And that's why the publishers will put that out because people buy 21 days, not 21 years. Oh, I, I'm like the first in line. I'm like, I know. Hey, you right. tell me this is going to happen in 30 days. I'm in. Right. Right. But we know from life experience, yeah. it is that brick by brick. It is that day by day. And this, this chapter, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read some of it because it just totally captured a situation I'm in. 
you don't know how to show up for people. You don't know how to truly, truly be them, be there for them in a time of need. And you have that set in quotes. Yeah. And I read that and I was like, did somebody say that to you? That was my question. I said that to myself. Right. Right. That was me uh, or whatever you want to call it, the enemy, or I think, I think at some point my inner critic has loaded herself up enough that I can just say these things to myself. And yes, especially at that point of losing a friend and not having the closure I would have necessarily liked on that friendship and, and learning through that too, that it's not always about that other person giving you closure. Sometimes you have to give yourself that closure. Right. Um, right. But when things are left unsaid, when things are left unresolved, when you don't have all the answers and the reasons for everything, it's very easy to tell yourself a story that isn't necessarily true. And for Absolutely. me, that was the story right there. Absolutely. And when you say losing a friend, this wasn't a friend lost to death. This was the end of a friendship. End of a friendship, which where was that class in college? No one told me about right. this. Like, right. it wasn't like, I don't know, like maybe I thought I was magically going to reach an age where we don't lose friends anymore. Right. Like it happens a lot and not in always the dramatic way, but like sometimes you're just like, you're close to somebody and then you're not close to them anymore. And it yeah. doesn't mean there's any bad blood between you, but like, you're still like, I guess we're just not right for one another in this season or right. in this case, like maybe for the rest of the time that we're here on this earth and I don't always get it, but yeah. Well, and so that was really interesting to me because that is a situation I've gone through a yeah. friendship with, with a person who I thought was going to be a lifer. Cause when I make friendships, I make them for life. I'm like, yes. you. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think, why would a friendship ever end? You should be able to be together forever. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. even share about how this feels like the, this, you went through all the emotions of a breakup. You cried, you became angry, you were desperate and bitter. You said things you didn't mean. You stalked them on social media. You wallowed. You felt like all the prayers you were sending to God were coming back with a return to sender. Yeah. I hated putting that in there, but I knew it was necessary to put oh. it in there. Like you don't want to admit your weakness, but then you're also like, I just want people to know that like, they're not the only ones that have done this. Like yeah, we yeah. feel so alone in that. So alone. And your context was how this, um, you said you stopped, uh, fear showed up and you bowed to it. Mm -hmm. It says, I fixed a plate. It said, you said, I, you wrote, I fixed a plate. I gave it a bed. I entertained it. And the fear didn't just go away or go off to find another victim. It sucked out all of my confidence. It caused me to believe I didn't deserve good things. I stopped opening myself up to others. I doubted every word that came out of my mouth. I adopted an eggshell life. An eggshell lifestyle is the kind of life you live when you're afraid to make a mistake or get it wrong. Mm. It's like that ditty, step on a crack and you'll break your mother's back. We get so cautious and fearful of the cracks in our own stories that the only thing we end up breaking is ourselves. <sighs> <laughs> the Lord wrote through you. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't take any credit for it at all. Because yeah. yeah. like, that's exactly what happened. And it took a long time to get out of that. You, yeah. I think what we forget or what we don't see is that rarely, rarely do we arrive in this pit overnight. We dig this pit, like yeah. shovel in hand, little by little yeah. by little until we are stuck we are yes. stuck there and we do not know how to claw our way out of it and yeah. I was stuck there for a long time and you know the rest of the world 
couldn't necessarily see it. People probably right. would have said that I was thriving. Um, yep. This was like my first year of marriage though. And I felt like I wasn't even able to really be present to the marriage. Mm-hmm. Like I was in an extent, obviously, because I knew that it was important, but I always tell my husband, I'm like, I don't even know who you got that first year of marriage. I don't know who she was. That's not me. But like, mm. it was just somebody who was completely stripped of confidence. Yeah. And, and also somebody who then readily accepted the lie of like, oh, you don't deserve good things. Yeah. Like, because yeah. you couldn't hold this together. Like you don't deserve any more good to come your way. So just right. like, I felt kind of like I was benched on the sidelines by God, mm-hmm. even though the world was moving around me, even though good things were happening, mm-hmm. my mindset was so negative that I couldn't even see the good right yeah. in front of me. So it's interesting that you say that for me, it, it's turned out a little bit different. I think that's probably the advantage of age <laughs> is that, you know, this wasn't my first rodeo like this, which had me recognizing signs and symptoms mm-hmm. and saying, and I've been pursuing God for a long time of why and how has this happened? And, and I was tempted to go down the road of there's something totally wrong with me with, mm-hmm. with condemnation and, and criticism, but <laughs> I happened to be in graduate school to get my degree in counseling and uh-huh. the, the, the overlap of the timing was such that I was like, I need some therapy for this. And I was able mm. to connect with a therapist and I saw other yep. symptoms. Like I didn't really want to tell my husband how I was feeling because I was afraid of becoming a burden on him to, to repeat the, like, you know, people get tired of hearing your pain. <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And totally. I don't, I don't want to exhaust people on that just because I still need to verbally process because I haven't figured it out. So this is a really awesome thing. I talked about it in the previous episode on, you know, how the Lord showed me some patterns and some attachment issues and some habits that I need to be thoughtful of to not walk on this eggshell life. And and I had asked this um, therapist, I'm like, okay, so what do I do now? I understand the why, I understand the how this all happened. I understand my part in it, but what do I do to not walk down this road in the future? And this is where, you know, kind of gaining that confidence. And you also say um, the rebuilding on the runes, right? So there was a point in which I, I was like, I want to build forward, even if it is on these runes. This was her advice. She's like, you need to make a top 10 list. I was like, excuse me. And she's like, just like if, if she was counseling a romantic relationship breakup, she yeah. would say, make a list of all the, the qualities and the attributes from those past relationships that really resonated with you. You appreciated, you valued, it made you a better person in the relationship. You were able to give something in the relationship, make your top 10 list. And she's like, you know, do it for friendships. Think about all your friendships and how they fit together. And I was like, huh, okay. And she's like, as you explore future friendships, look for things that are in that top 10 list. Hmm. And if you find five of those things, those are people to invest in more than just as an acquaintance. Yeah. And to pursue the deeper relationship with. And that little exercise like gave me confidence to get off the eggshells and, and mm. say, and it also did this other really radical thing. I, 
realized the community of friends that God had already surrounded me with that I needed Mm -hmm. to reach out to and say, thank you. Like specific attributes of these people that I was able to, to, you know, send a text, write a note, call and be like, when you do this, this makes me feel valued, or this makes me feel loved or appreciated, Mm. or, uh, you know, I hope I'm offering this to you. And if I'm not call me on it sort of things. And Mm. so it's been very healing. Yeah, no, I, that makes me think of like in this, like during this time, like I had a lot of friends that like walked with me through this. I had some friends that experienced the same thing. And there was one friend though, that like, she just knows, she knows the way that I tick, that I operate, that Mm -hmm. I'm very much an empath. I am a feeler. And so like, I will, I would have done anything to save the friendship, you know? And she, she knew that I was feeling really just kind of like down on myself. And she would just text me randomly Mm -hmm. or call randomly or when we were hanging out together she would just randomly say to me like you're a good friend and it it would come out of nowhere but it meant so much because she knew that that was something that I struggled with that I was wondering Mm -hmm. like am I a good friend and like that goes such a long way especially now in like my relationships of like you know what your people are struggling with and like just because you don't bring it up doesn't mean it's not there right yeah yeah that was huge for me of like, like you said, realizing, okay, this does not exist anymore. And I am giving this thing so much energy that mm-hmm. I can be giving to all these people around yeah. me, to my spouse, to my people. And that like switch to decide to focus on them instead of this gaping hole it doesn't like, it wasn't this natural transition. I felt a lot of resistance to it actually, but it was just practice and consistency that little by little, this started to get smaller. And I started to gain more perspective on it. The more I pulled myself out from it. Yeah. Yeah. And in this chapter, you you have a couple of principles. Uh, You talk about uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse Mm -hmm. 18 in in, in particular, which I had told you before we hopped on the crazy thing as I'm reading through the book of of Jeremiah now and have been wondering what in the world. And literally the last chapter I read was chapter 30. So I thought- And you probably didn't, did you see that line? Cause I never noticed it. Well, you know, and I, I went back and I looked, this is what's really interesting is it was chapter, it was verse 19 that mm-hmm. I underlined. Um, and I, I wrote in the side COVID 2020, we need God's healing and the rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just going to read the, the couple of verses there. I'm in the CSB translation, which is a little bit different than what you quote for verse 18. You quote in the book, the city will be rebuilt on her runes. Mm. And um, in the CSB, it says, this is what the Lord says. I will certainly restore the fortunes of Jacob's tent and show compassion on his dwellings. Every city will be rebuilt on its mound, which mm. yeah, at the time is ruins. Every citadel, citadel will stand on its proper site. Thanksgiving will come out of them and the sound of rejoicing. I will multiply them and they will not decrease. I will honor them and they will not be insignificant. His children will be as in past days. His congregation will be established in my presence and, you know, goes on and on. Um, and I just, your principle, you know, unpack it a little bit here. Yeah. What you share in the book about that. 
yeah, I mean, this was not, I didn't, I'd never seen this passage before I'd read it, but it didn't strike me in the way that it struck me um, this time around. I'm very much a Jeremiah 29 type of person and like Jeremiah 29 is all about the exile, right? So like I could probably keep myself in exile perpetually if allowed, but that's not the gospel. Um, But uh, it was the start of a new year. I remember I was serving at the Passion Conference. I was on their, I'm on their intercession team. So we pray around the clock um, for the students that are in the arena. And um, I had free time, a time that wasn't my shift. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to sit, I'm going to journal with God and I'm going to pick a word for the new year. I always pick a word for the new year. And Mm. A lot of times I think like God totally informs the word, but there are definitely times where I'm like, Hmm, I think the word should be this, or I think the word is this, you know, based on what I want to happen in the new year. And I remember specifically, it was actually, this was a few years after the new year. I think it was like the second or the third I had gotten the flu. And so the new year celebration was just kind of completely squashed. I felt like I was walking into the new year behind everybody else because everybody else had done their (laughs) before and I'd been like eating saltines in my bed Um, and (laughs) I had gotten a text from my friend Rin and she was like hey I needed to check out this verse and she didn't really know anything about my circumstances apart from I walked into the intercession meeting and I was like I feel so behind on the new year and I also feel like I have nothing to give. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to bring to the table. 2017 was so rough that I I don't know how to move into this next year, you know? Mm -hmm. And she found that verse for me and the city will be rebuilt on her ruins. And I knew immediately in that, that God was just speaking to me and saying like, that is your word for the year. Mm -hmm. It is rebuilt. It is not rebuild because rebuild would imply that you're going to do it. Rebuilt means it's going to be me. You will be rebuilt. Mm. And that was huge because I like to do things all on my own, right? Right, right. I Um, must be that Northeasterner in you. (laughs) Independence. Um, And yeah, I think that when I think about that idea or like probably the word that I would have chosen for myself, like I, that wouldn't have been the word because Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, there's gotta be a way with this new year that I'm just going to run into the new year. And I'm going to let go of everything that hurt me the year before Mm -hmm. this pain is not coming with me. This loss is not coming with me. I am a new person. Right. And we think that happens in the new year. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, the thing that hurt you in 2020, it's still here, you know, yes. especially this year with COVID. I think we are going to be a little bit delusional if we think we can walk into a new year and everything is going to go back to normal. It's, it's not going to happen. No. And so how do we brace for that? How do we deal with that impact? And here's God coming in and saying like, oh no, no, the ruins, like the things that you think discount you, the things that you think mm-hmm you just want to hide in a closet and never deal with again. I'm rebuilding on top of that stuff. So it has to be here because I'm going to rebuild on top of it. Like you can't hide it or shove it to the sides. If that is going to be the, the foundation that I intend to use. And that was like shocking to me because he like the Bible. I love the Bible so much for these little nuances and for the fact that every single word 
is intentional. It, it's meant to be there. It could have very set, very easily said the city will be rebuilt. Right. And I would have thought nothing more, but it's right. be rebuilt on its ruins, on its mound. And mound yes. is a rubble, you know? Yes. Like, no, 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 no. I will not discount what happened in the past. I will not discount what this nation has gone through, what you've gone through. I am going to use that to set the foundation. And to me, that implies that there's purpose in it. Yeah. So meant to go through it because it became a firm foundation for what was going to rise up out of those ashes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it plays upon what we talked about in the previous episode. I keep on pointing back to that because in Isaiah, the passage in, in chapter 60 that we were looking mm. at for the first episode of the season is all about that re- rebuilt, renew, restore. And yeah, uh, when I went through this like situation right before I got myself into counseling, I had a friend over. She loves to come and float in my pool in the evening. So I didn't feel like floating. So she, you know, picture the context, like she's floating in my pool on a raft Uh and I'm sitting on the steps and I'm telling her what's going on. And she like literally prophesied over me in, in, you know, no kooky terms, but like, she's like, God is going to use this for what it is to come. Mm. He is speaking into your life and he's going to bring healing out of this and it's not wasted. Sure enough, like decades of, of prayers were answered through the suffering. Mm, wow. Wow. See decades, decades of pursuing God for answers, mm. literally through the suffering through and the suffering. And so it makes me think of this, um, this last part, you talk about, um, a Japanese term. Kintsugi. Yeah. Can you tell us, tell, tell our listeners about this? Because I just was like, <gasps> I want, I want one of those now. <laughs> Yeah, I have heard about Kintsugi for years, and it's just always stuck with me, and it kind of came back around for the writing session here, but Kintsugi is this Japanese art where, um, whereas here, like, think about American culture. If if we break a vase, like, say, for instance, I have that image in my head of, like, the countless TV shows where they're playing football in the house and the break, the vase breaks. And it's like, we need to put the vase back together so that it looks like it was never broken before. Right. And we use the clear super glue in order to do that. In Japanese culture, they believe that just because something was broken does not mean that it is less valuable, that it actually holds more value because it has been broken. Mm. Um, and so they use this glue that is actually mixed with gold in order to put the piece back together so that the cracks show the gold. And it's this art called kintsugi with this belief that like, yeah, like, yeah, it broke. And it's actually more valuable now because now there is gold in the cracks and the crevices. And I just like, that is insane to me, you know? I know. I know. Uh, So I I read that and I was like, oh Lord, you've been telling me that for years. Like Mm. I've often thought about the broken vessel um, and when you, and I've tried to do this for il- teaching illustrations where you try to glue it back together, not with gold. I didn't think about that one, but you know, you have missing pieces. And yet if you put the light of Christ inside that vessel, the light then shines through. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just remarkable, uh, what that is like. And so I just, I know we got to wrap up our time here together. I would love if you kind of do like, uh, this is, this is what you, 
you you need to do, sister, to fight forward in the new year. This is this is what's happening. This is how we fight forward. What what would you say to them? Well, so like we were talking earlier about a verse that has stuck with me, Isaiah 43, 19. And I think it actually slides mm-hmm. perfectly into this. Um because I think probably a lot of people that are listening have heard that verse before yeah. and they've held on to that verse for hope. See, I am doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Um, and what's so interesting about that is that that word right there, new thing, it actually in the Hebrew, it's this word Kadash. Yep. And to actually look at that word, even though it does mean that like something new is springing forth, there's a prefix of re right there um, in that word. And so it actually means to rebuild and renew and re implies again and again and again. And to mm-hmm. me, that gives me so much hope that like, yes, God is doing a new thing. He is not asking us to spend our time looking in the rear view mirror, but at the same time, he could have used any word in the world, mm-hmm. that word that means I am rebuilding, I am renewing. And that re implies that what you have gone through in the past 2020, five years ago, 10 years ago, God is using that. He's not discounting that. And so yeah. honestly, I could probably give a lot of practical things for how to fight forward in the year ahead. But I feel yeah. like in my spirit right now, someone just needs to know that one of the best ways that you are going to fight forward is to spend some time clearing the space and making time to reflect on what God did in the last year and yeah. the things that you thought broke you and the points where you thought God abandoned you go back and trace where God actually was because he was there. Even if it felt like it was hard to see him, I always get this picture of like the where's Waldo books, you know, where it's like, you're looking for Waldo in all these different circumstances and he's always there, but it's hard to find sometimes. And I think you kind of have to adopt a different perspective in order to spot him. And I think the same thing happens sometimes in our story. It's like, we can't stop at thinking God just wasn't there. He was there. So how did he show up? What did you learn? Because it's never going to benefit us to take whatever happened in the last years and shove it in the closet and act like we're never going to Mm. um, need it again, especially if God is using that to rebuild our foundation. And so I would say like, before you go running hightail into this new year, take a moment to step back and to reflect on what God has done and and maybe even take it a step further and, and write it down, like write it down because the thing is the reality of life is that a storm is always going to show up, you know, like we might get two years removed, but like another storm is going to come. And the Psalmist says in Psalm 42, um, in the message translation, I love this. He says, when my soul is down in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know about you. Amen. And when you're in a storm, that is not the time to be like, okay, I'm going to go back and figure out where God was and all of this mess, you know, like it is right now in what might seem like the calm to write down the ways God has shown up for you so that if something shows up in a month from now or a year from now, you're able to say, okay, I know where God was and I'm going to rehearse this over me. I might not feel him right now, but I have this rehearsal deep in my bones to know where God is. Um, 
So yeah, that that's what I would say probably. <laughs> Brilliant. It's perfect. I mean, ties into for a couple of months now we've been talking at more to be to use the equipped resource, which uh, is about making some intentional decisions moving forward. Like mm, yeah. what is what word is God giving you? What verse is he placing on you? What um, action yeah. steps does he want to take? But the reason I really urge the doing of that is because at, at each quarter, you can look back to see what he has done. Right. Yes. And so that's like a healthy way to build in this habit of reflection, which yeah. spurs on our faith for moving forward. So I love that. That's totally. fantastic. Hannah, would you be willing to just remind everybody where they can find you and find your book and then close us in prayer? Yeah. So I'm over at hannahbrencher.com. There's a tab for fighting forward there. I also am writing regularly in that space, words to lift you up, different fight songs. Um, And the book is fighting forward. It's sold wherever books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, shop local, shop small, support your local indie, um, Fighting Forward, it's available January 5th. And yeah, I'll close this out in prayer. Awesome. Dear God, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for this free-flowing conversation and just a really genuine time to just lift you up and give you glory, God. Um, I just ask right now that you would bless the ears of those that are listening this, God, that they would feel hope, that they would feel new breath in their lungs, God, that they would just feel your presence, that you would make it known to them, God. We know that you are always with us. You are always all around us, God, but um, sometimes we just don't feel it, God. And so we just ask for those reminders in our daily lives that you are present, that you are real to us, God, that you are walking with us and that you're fighting on our behalf when we don't have the strength to fight for it, God. Mm. We ask all of this in your beautiful son's name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Hannah, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. So good. And thank you everyone for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best, but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.